I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do we have some topics, some themes? What yeah, do you want yeah. to cover? Oh, I've got a few little topics great. here. So we'll... I saw you were backstalking me on LinkedIn. I hate that you can see that. You know, you can oh. turn it off. But if you turn it off, you can't see if people are stalking you. I'm a pro stalker. <laughs> Not everyone can say they've got two degrees under their belt, one with honours, has a graduate diploma of legal practice, worked in multiple positions in government, has been the general manager of a corporation, and now is the CEO of Developing East Arnhem Limited. And all of this by the ripe old age of 30. Geordie Bowman can. In this conversation, Geordie shares with us what it was like growing up in the northern beaches of Sydney, her experience studying in New Zealand, her love of food and travel, and her passion for Indigenous affairs, which stemmed from a year six school camp. In her younger years, she may have never even considered living somewhere so small or remote. However, after four and a half years in Nullumboy, Geordie has fallen in love with the place and is passionate about helping to support and establish the region beyond mining. So sit back, relax, and get ready for episode 20 of Northeast Arnhem Land with Mon. Now, just to get things rolling, a little bit of housekeeping. First up, thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. My name's Monica O'Hanlon, and you could say I'm a bit of a sticky beak. I just love hearing people's stories because it's true what they say. Everyone's got one. I work at Gove FM in northeast Arnhem Land in the NT. It's one of the most remote and unspoilt parts of Australia. If you're someone who isn't familiar with it, here's what you need to know. The Yungal people are the traditional owners of this region. Their vibrant culture dates back more than 40,000 years. The hub, where I live, is called Nullumboy, a town created on the Gove Peninsula after the establishment of the bauxite mine. You're probably asking, what's the purpose of this podcast? I've met so many weird and wonderful people, whether they're from here or just passing through, I want to know how their path led them to this tiny little dot on the map. And it would be my absolute pleasure to share it with you. Obviously, as you've just mentioned, I was stalking you on LinkedIn. Your, I mean, your working life, your working career is pretty ridiculous. At the moment, you're the CEO of Deal. You were the general manager at Gumach, senior advisor at Department of Prime Minister uh, and Cabinet, economic development advisor at the NT government. You've got a Bachelor of Law with honours, which is ridiculous, graduate diploma of legal practice, bachelor degree in arts, specialising in European studies. Ridiculous. And there was so much more. I was like, I can't write that down. Like, I just cannot be bothered. We'll get to all of that. <laughs> 
I feel like I need to have a breath now. Uh, but I, I want to start. I don't know. Where did little Geordie come Earthside? <laughs> I was actually born in Melbourne in East Bentley. And I, so I was born there. My dad's a Kiwi and my mum is from Queensland. And then they ended up in Melbourne for work. Um, and so me and my brother, my younger brother, he's two years younger than me, uh, were both born in Melbourne. Um, and then when I was two, we moved up to Sydney. And then I grew up in Sydney until I was 18. I never knew that. Isn't that funny? We're friends and I didn't realise that you were actually born in Victoria. I know. It's a closely held secret because <laughs> I do support the Maroons. So it's a topic <laughs> of contention when people are like, that doesn't make any sense. You were born in Melbourne. But, you know, mum's a Queenslander, so makes sense. <laughs> do you have an AFL team? I don't really. No. no. I'm a bit of an NRL girl. I get it from my granddad. He was like a Broncos and a Cowboys man and a Maroons <laughs> man. So that was what we watched as kids. So it stuck with me. Yeah, that's fair enough. What was it like growing up in Sydney? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, like my parents are amazing. You know, my parents um, and, you know, a lovely younger brother and, you know, growing up on the North Shore Sydney, which is obviously an incredibly privileged area. So very conscious of that. But I guess I think at an early age, I was incredibly lucky um, with some of the experiences I got to have through school. And, you know, I credit a lot of that to where I've ended up and sort of even being in Arnhem Land. Um, when I was in year six at my primary school, normally you did your year six trip to kind of celebrate the end of primary school. And in previous years, they'd always, you know, the kids had always gone to the snow or, um, you know, an adventure camp or whatever. And I just happened to be at the primary school at a time when the principal had a real passion for Aboriginal um, and Torres Strait Islander affairs. And we did two semesters of, of Indigenous Affairs study, um, which wasn't normally part of the curriculum. And for our trip, we went on a two-week tour of outback New South Wales. And we went to predominantly Aboriginal communities, um, stayed in schools that had predominantly Aboriginal students and got to engage, you know, all across um, outback New South Wales, went out as far as Lightning Ridge. And it was just such a eye-opening experience for, you know, 60 kids from North Shore, Sydney, you know, most of us who'd never met an Aboriginal person before, um, to have that experience and have that engagement. It's incredible. And it stayed with me my whole life. And then, yeah, went on to high school, um, went to local public school, which was um, fantastic. And, you know, I still have lots of friends from there. Um, and some of my closest friends and some of the people whose career paths have kind of um, been quite similar to mine are actually people who, when we were in year 11 or in year 10, going into year 11, deciding what subjects we were going to do for our high school certificate, um, we saw that Aboriginal studies was something that we were able to study. A bunch of these friends are also primary school friends. So we all kind of had that kind of passion instilled in us from a really young age. And we lobbied the school to teach Aboriginal studies. They'd never done it before. And they said, well, if you get eight kids that are interested, we'll find a teacher and we'll put it on. And um, we managed to get eight kids <laughs> who were interested enough to do it. And yeah, four of those were people who I'd gone to primary school with. So obviously it had such a big impact yeah. on sort of our upbringings and the way that we viewed the world and wanted to engage. So I think, um, yeah, people are often surprised <laughs> when they hear that I kind of kind of grew up on, in North Shore Sydney. But I think that, you know, those two experiences and particularly that one when I was in primary school has really shaped sort of my career path, my study path. And one of, you know, when I finished high school, I went to New Zealand for uni. And um, one of the big drivers behind that was obviously, you know, they've got 
a large Indigenous population and their experience um, of colonisation and um, land in particular, which has always been a big focus of mine, Indigenous land, um, is yeah, so different to Australia and was really interested in learning more about that. So that was kind of a big driver for me in that. That's incredible. So it really like planted a seed. How old are you when you're six? Like 11? 11. Yeah, 11. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's good to see. Like, I mean, back in those days, I don't, I grew up here, so I don't know, but I don't think that was like a common occurrence. Now it's becoming more common, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely not common at all. And I think, you know, probably a lot of the parents were like, what is this principal doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, really had a huge impact on, on me and sort of. Yeah, my values and the things that I find interesting and, um, you know, an engagement in Aboriginal Australia that I don't know if I otherwise would have if, you know, if I'd been one year older or one year younger and I'd gone to Threadboat for my um, <laughs> for my school trip, would I be in Arnhem Land? I don't know. Probably not. Wow. Yeah, that's it. That's insane. Amazing. I'm so glad that you are here in Arnhem Land <laughs> <laughs> for many reasons. So you mentioned that you studied in New Zealand. So did you start studying in Australia? No, didn't do any uni in Australia, um, sort of finished year 12, didn't know what I wanted to do uh, with my life, big question, still don't know maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the perpetual question, isn't it? Uh, knew that I wanted to sort of have a bit of a different experience, didn't want to stay living at home in Sydney, no disrespect to my parents, adore them, but you know, <laughs> wanted to kind of get out and spread my wings and do something different. Um, there's not that many unis that you can go to in Australia where you can kind of get that on-campus college experience. That's a really big thing in New Zealand. You know, they only have a few unis and most people, like at my uni, 80% of people weren't from the town or the area where the uni was. Um, everyone travels to, to go and study. So there's that real kind of college campus vibe and um, which was something I really wanted to experience um, and I kind of thought I wanted to study law not because I've ever had a strong desire to be a lawyer but um, it's a really interesting degree and it makes your brain work in really interesting ways but Australian law degrees are quite rigid and they sort of make you do a lot of subjects like tax law and corporations law and um, you know that sort of stuff business administration law which isn't, wasn't necessarily something I was that passionate about. Um, whereas in New Zealand, their law degrees are really open and you get to do a lot of electives. And um, so I was sort of really into, into that and thought, oh, I can go over for a year. I'll see. I might not like it. I might hate living away from family and friends. Um, but went over there and absolutely loved it. So I spent five years um, doing that and so did a range of different things. I managed the local bottle shop <laughs> while I was working at uni and then also <laughs> tutored law and um, Maori students who were trying to get into, into law in New Zealand and um, worked at, um, for the Naitahu Legal Law Centre, Naitahu Law Centre, which um, was you know helping the Naitahu tribe, which is the biggest tribe in um, Maori tribe in the South Island with um, like land and wills and all that sort of stuff. So got to do some really cool stuff while I was over there. And New Zealand's just an awesome country generally. So it was a great decision. Yeah, wow. Did you, like, how did you find the outside of study and, like, life and work experiences? How did you find the lifestyle? It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so in the first year, I lived in, like, a college dorm style thing. You know, like, you had a room on a floor with a million yeah, other people, yeah. um, which was awesome. And then the next four years, share housed around... Um, around New Zealand or around Dunedin, um, University of Otago. 
and you know there was like a rite of passage that you went through so like your first year was your dorm year and then your second year you lived on Castle Street which I don't know <laughs> um, it did make the news over here but it, I mean it's all calmed down these days but they used to have these things like there was like have riots on the street and couch burning like that's what University of Otago is known for so um, you know like that was kind of an experience they used to have this thing called Undy 500 where people from um, the University in Christchurch used to drive down in cars worth under $500 and then they'd like pull up on Castle Street and that was the end and then there'd be a big street party so <laughs> it was yeah it was a whole kind of experience that was just completely different yeah so then you move from Castle Street and then you move to like when you get a bit more sophisticated in your third and fourth year of uni you're allowed to move up the hill a little bit uh, so it was this whole thing it was actually when you look back at it it's like this doesn't make any sense it was to why you would adhere to this ridiculous social structure um but it was awesome and made some fantastic friends who are still some of my best friends today and yeah it was just a a really different experience and I think yeah it really kind of gave me that freedom as a young adult to get out there and do a lot of things that you maybe couldn't afford to do you know if you're studying in a city or um whatever it might be so it was great yeah sweet you mentioned all the things that you did in in uh, New Zealand while you were studying and I mean looking at your career now you're obviously a natural leader. <laughs> Is that something that has always been around you? I don't know. I don't know if I'm a leader. I'm just an organiser, aren't I? <laughs> no, I think really you're definitely good at an organizing natural leader. Spreadsheet. You're very, I think you're very good at talking and I just, I think that you're a natural leader. People look up to you. Is that something that, like, have you always been a leader, do you think? I don't know. I don't think it's ever something I've consciously thought about. But it is really interesting you were asking about, like, what was young Geordie like? Um, I was actually incredibly shy as a child. Like, until I went to high school, I was the shyest kid ever. Um, and, yeah, I, I, like, kind of came out of my shell at, um, at, uh, at high school. But, you know, leading up to that was really shy. Um, yeah, had a lot of stage fright, which I think still kind of translates a little bit into me now. I'm not a super confident public speaker. Um, you say that, but <laughs> internal, my internal monologue is still like, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you on a stage? Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, coming from that, I definitely came out of my shell at high school. Um, but I don't think it's something I've consciously done. I guess I'm just trying to be myself. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it was that tipped you, cracked you out of that shell? Maybe is a better way to say it. I don't know. I think it probably had something to do with, um, you know, you kind of go from one group of friends, one group of people that you've been socialised with and, you know, maybe you're in a different element there and then you kind of get into a new a new space and you can kind of find more room for yourself and, you know, try yourself out. Um, and I guess you get more confidence as you get older maybe and you get more certain about who you are. But, yeah, there was definitely a big shift there. I remember like year seven camp was like our first camp two weeks into high school and went along and, the, uh, you know, it was like a three-night camp and I was like petrified of being away from home and then there was a disco and my mum had bought me this really cute little halter dress <laughs> and I was so shy and like so reserved that I refused to take my jumper off because I didn't want anyone to see my shoulders. Like this is kind of what we're talking about. So I think I've come a long way. <laughs> I mean, I can't see your shoulders today, but I can confirm have seen your shoulders. <laughs> Good on you, Joey. So you, you studied in New Zealand. We'll go back uh, a little bit. So you finished up there. You spent five years over there. 
You came back to Australia. What happened next? Yeah, well, so I finished up in New Zealand and, you know, the, well, I guess it was way before I finished up. It was the inevitable, what do you do when you graduate discussion um, with yourself. Uh, and I guess I'd you know, gone through this law degree. I'd, you know, I'd done well at it. Honours well. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, my time at uni and even like the little bits of, um, I'd done a few internships and that sort of thing, uh, really confirmed that I'd being a lawyer, like a, a kind of a, a lawyer, lawyer in a law firm wasn't really for me. And it was kind of interesting at the time, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of alternative pathways. Like it wasn't something that was heavily promoted of, oh, you know, you can do a law degree, but you can go into government or you can go into this sector or that sector. And that, you know, like all of my friends were applying for law firm jobs. And I sort of was just looking at, well, what else could I do? And I ended up um, putting in a bunch of applications for um, the Australian government, um, obviously being an Australian citizen as well as a Kiwi citizen, um, and sort of applied for a range of different uh, um, departments. So Department of Immigration and Citizenship, um, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, what was at the time Department of Families, Housing, Community Services and Indigenous Affairs, uh, and Department of Employment, Education and Workplace Relations, and got a couple of offers and landed on Faxia, mainly because of my interest in Indigenous affairs and uh, thought that that would be kind of a nice fit for me. So moved, packed up my life um, from New Zealand, moved back to um, Sydney for the summer and then headed down to Canberra. So uh, didn't know anyone <laughs> down there. Seems to be a theme, just running away all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so moved down to Canberra and it was an awesome start to to working life. Um I know Canberra gets bagged a lot, but I love Canberra. Um, I think it's a great place to live. And as a young professional, it was a really kind of supportive work environment to go into. And I was in a graduate program with 50 other people who kind of were all similarly educated, interested, socially engaged, politically engaged. Um, And so made some fabulous friends and did some really interesting work in there. Um, I started off doing some work around um, domestic violence and the National Action Plan on safety of women and children. Uh, did that for a little bit and then... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My next rotation was in uh, the land tenure area, um, land rights area, which is where I've kind of flitted in and out of for most of my career now. So something that I kind of had focused on in New Zealand um, and was really interested in. And um, it was a great way to mix, I kind of, yeah, it's, I'm, I feel incredibly lucky and privileged that I kind of fell on my feet in this area that's allowed me to travel so much and engage with so many interesting communities and people and also allowed me to use my legal skills because obviously it's all legally based, but equally, you know, a lot of it is about strategic policy and community engagement, which are two things that I love doing. So yeah, so I was in Canberra for 
three years, but during that time, um, you know, got to travel to Alice Springs, to Uluru, to the Tiwi Islands, to Groot Island. So got to yeah, do some amazing travel and visit some amazing places as part of that job, which was, which was just fantastic. Yeah. How did you end up in Nullumboy in northeast Arnhem Land then? Well, that's a very interesting <laughs> question. So, yeah, so for 12 months of the time that I was in Canberra, uh, I worked for Jim Rogers, who many people will be familiar with in NT government. Um, and he had, was living down there for 12 months. And then a couple of years later, he, or 12 months later, after he'd moved back up here, kind of gave me a call and said, oh, we've got a job going up here. Any chance you want to come up to Nullumboy <laughs> for six months? And I said, it's getting into winter in Canberra. It's a little bit chilly and <laughs> northeast Arnhem Land looks really pretty. Uh, so, yeah, sure, why not? Um, and then, you know, classic territory story uh, came for six months, extended another six months, uh, extended another 12 months and four and a half years later, here <laughs> I still am. <laughs> Amazing. It's true. That is the classic territory style. Everyone comes up. Uh, for a brief amount of time just to get themselves have a bit of an experience save a bit of coin and then leave never happens no no it is a spider <laughs> web it just <laughs> gets you in what was your first impression of the place so I'd been here once before um visiting uh some family so had kind of been here had a look around was kind of like don't don't know yep, yep okay <laughs> didn't kind of and at the time didn't have the lens of like you're going to be moving here, so take this all in. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I guess turned up by myself with my two suitcases, not knowing anyone apart from Jim. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a pretty big um, a pretty big move. But I guess, you know, the town, as, you know, you would have experienced, I mean, obviously you lived here, but coming back again as well, um, it's so incredibly welcoming. And I think we were talking over the weekend about, um, you know, how I met my first kind of go friendship group and it was literally I was like at the pub on Anzac Day and someone goes I've never seen you before who are you why are you here what are you doing do you have any friends great well we'll be your friend and then that was it like that was sort of how I made friends in go and it's I think it's you know it's a testament to the town that you know not there's not many people that are from here or grew up here um, but everyone knows you know you know, everyone has a go family because we are so far away from our own families and other friends. So, yeah, everyone was incredibly warm and excited, you know, to have new people here, which was like a really nice, you know, transition. Um, although I must say my first weekend in town, uh, it was Cyclone Nathan. <laughs> so I'd like got on the plane, I got up here and I was like, this is all great. And then it's like, oh, we're going into Cyclone Watch. And I actually spent my first Saturday in town working a 14-hour shift at the Cyclone <laughs> shelter at the Gove Hospital. Um, so that was like a baptism of fire. <laughs> oh um, but yeah, no, it was great. And I think, you know, even that was kind of a great intro to the town and, you know, um, got to meet some amazing people, the, you know, volunteer paramedics and all the St John Lambo people who were working at the um, the shelter as well. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really cool. And then, um, yeah, the town, you know, it just grows on you. It's such a beautiful place and, you know, the work-life balance is fantastic and, you know, all the activities that you can do and the endless summer isn't bad either. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like you were talking about, like, lifestyle-wise, how does it compare to, like, Dunedin or Canberra or Sydney? I feel like they're all completely different. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, you know, if you'd asked me 
I'm like 18 year old Geordie, even 25 year old Geordie, how she would have gone living in a town this small. And like, obviously we're really well serviced here. Um, but, you know, probably would never have occurred to me that I'd be living, you know, in a place this remote um, and those sorts of things. But I think, you know, all of the things that, yeah, you know, there's things you miss, like being able to, you know, go out to a really fancy restaurant or go to the movies or, you know, whatever it might be. But all of those things are made up for in other ways, you know. Um, we've got beautiful beaches, you know, a 30-second drive from your house that you can go and have a bonfire on on a, you know, after work, um, you know, you're your commute is a couple of minutes. Um, all of those things sort of make up for it and, um, you know, you can still do those things when you head back to, you know, head back to home um, every so often. Yeah. Do You just said that you missed things like the movies and like going out for dinner at other places. We've got a few options here, yeah. but it is good to mix it up a bit. I totally get that. Do you think, is that your biggest things that you miss or do you have something that you're like, if, if only you could get that or you could do that in here, in Nulamboy. Oh, that's a good question. I'm a really big foodie though. So that's like my jam. I literally like plan holidays around places <laughs> that like have really good food. And people are like, what are you going to do while you're away? And I'm like, well, I've booked these 17 restaurants. Uh, and they're like, are you going to do anything else? Uh, no, I'm just going to eat. Like I'm, I'm planning from how to get to one meal to the next meal to the next meal. So that, yeah, that is one thing that I like. I do um, miss, but I'm lucky that I get to travel in and out a fair bit, so I still get to indulge all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. And I guess, I mean, I'm really lucky. I've had my family and my friends being able to visit um, quite a bit, but, you know, that gets hard sometimes being away from home and, you know, I've got an incredibly close-knit family um, and, you know, lots of really good friends who I haven't, you know, not just being in um, Nolanboy, but like I haven't lived um, sort of any, you know, anywhere near all of my friends yeah. for, what, how old am I? <laughs> old, 12 years now. So, um, you, know, th- you know, that gets a bit hard sometimes, but um, it makes up for it with the amazing people that we've got up here. So, <laughs> totally. Uh, so you came up here with a government job. Did you, was it after government you went over to Gumach? Yeah, so I did a 12-month stint with NT government, which is what I originally came up with. And um, then I actually went back to the federal government. Mm-hmm. So I ended up um, being outposted uh, in the Nulamboy Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet Office um, from what the job I was doing in Canberra before, um, which was around Aboriginal land negotiations and working with land councils and traditional owners on, um, you know, uh, how they could utilise their land to achieve their economic aspirations if they wanted to. And that made a lot of sense because I was travelling in and out. So, I mean, there was a period of 18 months when I was doing that when I was probably in Gove like one week a month. But again, great experience kind of travelling all over the Northern Territory, meeting with communities and land councils and, you know, um, working with them on... Um, you know, coming up with what they wanted, want, what they wanted to do, and you know, land tenure solutions that would support them to achieve what they wanted to. Um, so, again, you know, felt incre- incredibly privileged to you know be able to do that work, and again, that kind of mix of that in- community engagement, which I love doing, um, but also the kind of big picture strategic policy, which is great. And one of the communities that I was actually negotiating with was um, with the Gumach clan at Gudinara. So. That sort of process went on while I was at PMNC and then once uh, 
there was sort of a range of negotiations across the territory that wrapped up uh, and, yeah, decided to go across and um, work for the Gormach clan for a little while uh, to help set up their 99-year lease that we'd just finished negotiating and, um, you know, did some other work around community development and, you know, like the youth centre and school nutrition and um, school attendance programs and things like that. Amazing. Yeah, it was a bit of a change and I think it was a great change going from government and being on the side of, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, negotiating or working with communities to, you know, being on the other side of that and, um, you know, being the, you know, in the community organisations and, um, you know, working for the community and, you know, often working with government on what that looks like was a really good perspective shift for me. Totally. Um, and, yeah, it gave me a really kind of different perspective and understanding of that. So I was really grateful for that experience. Yeah, amazing. And so, I mean, I feel like all of your experience, it's kind of like really you are so perfect for this role. You started in January? Yes. So now well, February, early Feb. Early Feb. So now you're the CEO of Developing East Arnhem. That's pretty insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's um it, I'm really lucky to be in that position and but I do, yeah, I agree. I think I have a really good skill set for the job and I think I'm incredibly passionate about the region, which I think, you know, is first and foremost the most important thing. Like I, you know, seen the, can see the opportunities and the challenges from working here for the, you know, the last four and a half years um, and it's great to be in a position where I can support and work across, you know, all those different areas that I have worked in. So, you know, Aboriginal corporations and communities, government um, at the federal level, government, the NT level, um, and be able to work to bring people together, you know, for the benefit of the region. It's a really exciting place to be. Totally. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what's the main things in your role, if you explain <clears throat> it in layman's terms? Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly diverse, which is one of the things I'm really enjoying about it because we cover off on so many different areas. So, you know, a lot of people in Nullumboy would know us as the housing people because, you know, we have 250 houses. So there's a property management element to that and, you know, making sure that we're looking after the houses, that tenants are happy, that we've got tenants in the houses, all of those sorts of things, um, which is sort of one skill set to looking at big industry development you know, work. So how do we attract and grow industries here that can support the region beyond mining? So, you know, looking at how we can work collaboratively to, you know, understand the forestry resources that are in the region, for example, and then how, you know, we might work with traditional owners and other people to, you know, enter into forestry businesses if they wish to. Um, you know, in the tourism space, it's around working with our existing providers on, you know, what they offer and how we can get their, you know, get the region out there and market it um, and make sure people know about us and have the right information to get here safely and, you know, want to come here. Uh, you know, looking at where there might be gaps in that as well. So, you know, we've got you know, these number of providers and tours and accommodation, is there anything that's missing that's going to make people's experiences better? How can we work to, um, you know, to fill that gap, things like that. So it's it's a really interesting and diverse job um, and we get yeah, get to engage with so many different people, not only on the Grove Peninsula but across the region as well. So um, it's never a dull moment. Do you think, like, I don't know, from a, from a deal perspective, do you have any goals yeah, I mean, I think that it's clear that, you know, we're working towards a post-mining future for Nullumboy in the East Arnhem region and what that looks like. And I think, um, you know, I hope that in the time that I'm at Deal, I can make a difference in, you know, bringing people together and kind of fostering that collaboration and partnership approach because I think 
the most important thing for me is none of us can do this on our own. Like no single business or no single industry is going to be able to, you know, to bring the community, you know, into a post-mining world. So, and I think that's, you know, something I enjoy doing and, um, you know, yeah, I think that's sort of, you know, for me, if I can, um, you know, help set us up on a path towards that and, um, you know, uh, be a part of that story, then that'd be fantastic. Yeah, awesome. So that's, that's a that's a developing East Arnhem goal. <laughs> you can go with this. But, um, you know, you're 30 years old, which is ridiculous, and you're a – I want to swear, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but, you know, you're a CEO. You've got crazy experience under your belt, which is – I feel like you play it down a lot. It is phenomenal. Like the stuff that you've done and everything you're doing now is pretty insane and so awesome. Super, super inspiring, George. From me, but I know that a lot of people feel the same way about oh, you. Thank you. I want to know from a personal perspective, and we may have even spoken about this when we were camping over the weekend, but do you have any goals or ambitions for the next five to 10 years? I ask everyone this. so <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a good question. And I think, I don't know, I'm in two minds about it. I used to be a big overthinker and a big sort of planner. Like I always had to have my next move planned out. What, where was I going? What was I doing? Um, you know, personally and professionally. Um, And I think that particularly since being up here, you know, opportunities just sort of presented themselves and have, you know, I've got so much out of sort of just going with those when when they've come up that I have kind of stopped doing that planning a little bit. So, you know, I honestly don't know sort of what my next kind of professional movies and I'm like really happy in the role that I'm in and I'm really happy in Nullumboy. So that's fantastic for, you know, for now. Um, I guess I'm really keen to do some more travel. Like I I love traveling and um, it's something that, yeah, I just wish I could do more of. I've always wanted to live overseas for a little while, Um, whether that's sort of literally just sitting on a beach in France drinking rosé um, <laughs> and not doing anything. Um, or, you know, I have always toyed with the idea of doing more study um, and, you know, using that as an opportunity to live overseas. <clears throat> so something in, you know, public policy or, you know, strategic policy, there's some great courses out there and um, some great unis that offer really inspiring um, inspiring courses. So, you know, there's sort of about – there's probably seven plans <laughs> in the next five years. Um but, yeah, I think it's just I feel really lucky to sort of be in the position that I'm in. Like like you said, I'm I'm young. Um, you know, I don't have kids. I, you know, I can I kind of I'm in a position that I can sort of see what happens and, you know, take chances when they come up and, um, you know, hope for the best. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's I'm incredibly lucky and, you know, just using the time that I've got here to, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah I don't know what else no I think you you said it perfectly and you know it's awesome that you're going with the flow and taking opportunities as they come no doubt there's going to be some amazing things coming from you George if your life so far is anything to go by big things are coming your way did I answer all your questions did you learn a lot I did <laughs> I feel like I learned heaps <laughs> I feel like I, I know a whole nother side to you, George. So, yeah, thanks. Just so an much. onion. So many layers <laughs> to unpack. <laughs> You're an absolute onion. Yeah, well, George, hey, thank you so much for coming in. I think... You're an absolute legend. Even if we weren't friends, 
I find you super inspiring and you're just a legend. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for mate. coming in. <laughs> We have hit a milestone. Can you believe it? Episode 20. When I started this, I was thinking, yeah, 20 episodes would be amazing. I never thought we'd actually get to 20. So I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has taken the time to listen, rate and review the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Thank you to anyone as well who has written in with feedback. It's always so great to get. And guys, I am constantly on the lookout for people to interview. So if you or someone you know has a story they'd like to share, please get in touch. All our contact details are in the show notes. Like always, a massive, massive shout out to GovFM. I can safely say without this station, this podcast would not be possible. Have a fantastic day and I'll see you next week with another episode of North East Arnhem Land with Mon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.